This chapter forms part of episode 40 of the Education Research Reading Room podcast on online learning. Before listening, I highly recommend that you listen to the chapter introduction in order to get a sense of what's in this chapter as well as each of the other six. And if you enjoy this chapter, please share it with friends and colleagues. Chapter 2, Kerry Russell on Relationships and Online Learning through the Alice Springs School of the Air. Kerry Russell is the principal at Alice Springs School of the Air. She was previously a class teacher at School of the Air, as well as supporting her children to attend the school during a time that she, her husband, and two kids lived in a remote community. In this chapter, Kerry shares a wealth of experience from a lifetime of distance education, especially around some of the requirements for supporting primary and elementary school students through distance ed, and what it takes to build the strong relationships that are required. Kerry Russell, welcome to the Education Research Reading Room. Thanks, Oliver. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Kerry? Sure. So I live in Alice Springs in the centre of Australia. I'm the principal of Alice Springs School of the Air. I've lived, um, well, I've been at the principal at School of the Air for almost three years. Uh, prior to that, I've taught in other schools around Alice Springs. But about 10 years ago, I used to be a class teacher at Alice Springs School of the Air and um, before that, I was a parent um, with our two children attended the same school when we lived in remote communities. So I've had a long association with the school uh, that I'm currently the principal of. I've got two grown up kids. As I said, we live in Alice, but our children are in Sydney and Melbourne. Wonderful. Um, in terms of like a standard week, well, actually, maybe let's go about a little bit more about School of the Air because probably a lot of people haven't heard about School of the Air before. Do you want to give us a bit of an overview of kind of what what you do? Yeah, sure. So we um, are a government school. For, we teach students from preschool up to year nine. So the teachers are based in Alice Springs, but most of our students uh, don't live in Alice. They live all around the southern part of the Northern Territory. So we cater for kids primarily who are geographically isolated. So often living on um, pastoral properties, sometimes remote communities, sometimes you know police stations or ranger stations, sometimes traveling around. So our students uh, do their schooling in their own home and they connect with us via satellite. Uh, they have lessons every day with their teachers and also work through um, learning material that we send to them in hard copy. And sometimes they access things on their class website, just depends on uh, what year level we're talking about. But yeah, it's been going for a long time, School of the Year, since 1951 and does cater for kids primarily in the NT, but also some who are just over the border in the other three states that border us. Wow, I'd imagine the way the operators changed quite a bit since 1951. Yeah. Yes, obviously. I haven't been around since all that time, but absolutely. Yeah, it has. Uh, technology clearly is one of the things that has um, brought about significant change in how our students uh, access their learning and feel that sense of connection with their teachers and classmates. Fantastic. Could you give us a, paint a bit of a picture for us for what a week looks like for a student who engages um, with School of the Air? And maybe you I don't know, um, I'm not an expert in primary teaching, uh, but perhaps you want to contrast the experience for, because we may have teachers here who have to teach, for example, year, you know, transition or year one students oh. online, and which will be obviously quite different to teaching a year six student online. So could you give us a, paint a bit of a picture for us, a bit broad overview? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, so in general, um, our, the school week for any of our students will look very similar in terms of the timetable to students who are sitting in a mainstream class in, you know, suburban Sydney, Melbourne or anywhere else. So they... Um, you know, the guideline is they're in their home classroom, as we call it, from 8.30, which is the time NT schools generally start, until 3 p.m. And then they're working through in a range of different modes the work that the teacher has set out for them. So obviously, like I said before, they are at home in their home classroom. Some of them wear a school uniform, some don't. It's up to them. And uh, the work they do, some of it is uh, when during like a video conferencing lesson. Because our kids live very remote, obviously internet uh, is something that uh, is not as readily accessible as in towns. So basically all of our students connect via satellite. So that uh, limits our bandwidth mm. and limits the software that we can use uh, because of latency issues. So you can't use all video conferencing software over a satellite connection. So our, our students are not online all day. We just don't have the bandwidth with all the studio time available for that. So their day is a blend of logging on to their online interactive lessons with their teachers and um, sitting at their desk in their home classroom, working through the whole range of subjects that you would expect any student in Australia um, to be working on, you know, based on the Australian curriculum. So in terms of the difference between primary and high school, uh, there are more of those IDL, they're called, our online lessons. There are certainly more for them in our middle years, our year seven, eight, nine students. They would have several every day where they connect um, with their teacher and classmates. For our primary students, essentially it's two lessons a day, two half an hour lessons a day mainly, and um, the rest of the time they are working um, through the work that has been sent to them. Uh, and they, every one of our students, particularly primary, has what we call a home tutor. So that's the adult who's supervising them and facilitating their learning. Mm. Often it's a family member, mom, dad, or someone else. Sometimes it is someone who's been employed by the family. Uh, Old-fashioned word is governess, but everyone here calls them a govy. So some kids have a govy and some have, you know, mum or dad or someone working okay. with them. But everyone has a home tutor. Yeah, so their day is, you know, they have a break for morning tea, have a break for lunch. Um, and the teachers on their websites, every class has their own website, outlines a timetable for today, for the day. You know, in the morning you'll be doing maths, then you'll hop on to the, your online lesson and do this. Then, you know, you might be doing English. So um, it's sort of, like I said, the timetable could look pretty similar to mm. a mainstream class but their mode of um, engaging in that obviously is extremely different so does every student have someone a parent or a govy uh with them for the whole day every uh home classroom does so obviously you know families often will have more than one student more than one child so yeah there'll be one home tutor in that home classroom. So some families might have only one child, you know, doing school. Uh, one, sometimes they might be five. Uh, so it is up to the family to provide that home tutor, but they have to for, for duty of care, obviously. And, mm. you know, the kids can't be alone. They need to be supervised. But yeah, our school is set up particularly for primary, we encourage a whole lot more independence in high school. It is meant to be, they do have an adult with them. Um, and they are the ones, particularly for the younger kids, are actually reading the instructions and saying, okay, this is what you've got to do now and helping them. 
because like I said, unfortunately, we with the technology limitations, they can't be online all day mm. with their teachers. So there has to be someone with them facilitating their learning. Okay. And there's never like a year nine student who will sit in their room and kind of work through because they'd be pretty used to their routine about year nine. They wouldn't just sit there and work through and, you know, mum or dad will be in the other room kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, that definitely does happen with our middle years or the high schools. There's, um, we don't have as great an expectation for a home tutor to be with the student in high school. We do expect that there's someone in the family we can contact if the student's not handing in their work. But, yeah, they generally are working far more independently. And obviously it's case by case depending on how the um, student goes. But, yeah, they don't have someone, an adult with them sitting next to them all, all day. There is a big difference in that respect with primary and high school. So what are the what do these lessons look like that students usually experience? So the online lessons, uh, they so they have a, spe- a specific software that we um, give them. There was a um, program. It's called React that was specifically written for video conferencing via satellite. So that's what we use because it's really the only one that works well mm-hmm. over satellite. So our students uh, log in. Um, with the computer that the school provides them and they can like you know any other video conferencing software they can see and hear their teacher they can see and hear their classmates and we are really set up with a class based system like in most primary and um, high schools so every student if they're in year three they've got their year three class teacher if they're year nine they've got a year nine teacher Uh, so there's a really strong relationship um, between the students within their class and their teacher and that's one of the keys to why we do so well they really feel strongly connected to their teacher and classmates even though they might be a thousand kilometers or more Mm. away from them there is that that connection. Yeah, so they log in and then the teacher will do some explicit teaching and then there'll be an opportunity um, for the students, obviously depending what they're learning and depending on their age group, to um, while they're on that lesson to, you know, um, have some do some practice of whatever the skill might be, a bit of interaction between the classmates, answering questions, asking questions. They can, um, there's a chat facility, so, you know, they can type in their answers, depending if they're old enough to write, uh, or microphone, they can call in their responses. Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of interaction, as much as we can get (laughs) within Mm. those short um, lessons. And then um, there's units of work, we call them, that the teachers have prepared in advance that are sent out to the students and um, on their daily timetable it says today you're doing this part of English this part of maths this part of geography etc and they sit at their desk and do that and then they submit it through an um, electronic platform okay cool how, how does teachers build that relationship with students if they only have limited contact what's the process yeah lots of different ways that we do that Obviously, even though it is limited, it's not all day. It certainly is daily, at least twice daily. And we are very uh, intentional about uh, making sure that the teachers know their students really well. So even though they don't see them face-to-face very often, our uh, teachers know um, their students. They know their learning preferences. They know, you know, what's important for that child or young person. So part of it is through those online lessons. Partly as well, we develop a really strong relationship with the family and home tutor. So particularly in primary school, mm-hmm. uh, if there's um, you know problems that the student doesn't understand or the home tutor is not sure what they need to do, we strongly encourage them to email or call as soon as they have a problem or concern. And they absolutely do. So there's a lot of interaction between the teachers and the 
people in the home classroom, whether mm. like email, phone, IDL, um, because we, you know, we know it's sort of tricky when you're on your own. These people are not teachers. They're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Or, I've tried this and, you know, mm. my, my child's not, not wanting to do it or not understanding. So that's one way, like really encouraging people to reach out when they have a um, concern. The other, um, a couple of other things that we do every term. So four times a year, we have a week long in school, it's called. So families and students come into Alice Springs. They come from a long way, some of them. And uh, they spend a week in town. So the students are dropped off to our school um, every day during school hours. And then they've got those face-to-face opportunities. And that really builds on those relationships, builds those connections. Uh, we also once a year at the beginning of the year in our first in school we put on a a conference for our home tutors so the assistant principal and I run a week-long conference to build uh, the capacity of our home tutors in lots of different areas Mm -hmm. so we develop relationships that way and the other thing that we do is every year in primary every teacher visits every student so that's usually a two-day trip occasionally three days if they do live like a thousand kilometers away um, so they drive out stay the night or two nights spend time um, with the student in the home classroom but also importantly spend time with them in their home and the child gets to show them what's important to them where they live whether it's their horses or riding a quad bike or um, you know occasionally the Someone on the station might take them up on a helicopter and they get to fly around. <laughs> so they visit the students where they are. And that's another important element of building those relationships. And, um, yeah, the feedback we get from our families, from our staff, from our students is we have strong, positive relationships and we work hard to maintain that. That's incredible. I mean, that's something that would be benefit any student probably, having their that student-teacher yeah. relationship. Um, what about students in – do you have subject specialists in like year nine, year eight to nine and then therefore do they, they still go and visit every kid because if they're teaching multiple classes, that might be like 70 students or something? <laughs> yeah, actually we're quite a small school so we don't have that many in high school, that many students. So we do – we only have three teachers in middle year. So, yes, they do teach subjects, you know, um, person who's stronger in maths teaches maths our science specialist teaches science and uh, yes with those home visits that you're talking about that doesn't happen um, so regimented as it does in primary school so by default the middle years teachers do not go out and visit their students however if there's a need if they think you know what might really benefit that student they're new and they're not quite sure what's happening we'll go out and um, visit them so yeah we do that on a case-by-case basis but yeah it's really in primary years that those home visits uh, happen that makes sense um in terms of the explicit instruction the the lessons how does that look is a teacher in front of a whiteboard or are they kind of got a tablet and a camera on their face or, or how do you do it yeah, a couple of ways. So we um, have studios, so we broadcast our lessons from studios and each um, studio has two main cameras that we use. So one is the camera on the teacher teacher's face. The other one is an overhead camera or a document camera. Okay. So that overhead camera, um, you, there's a whiteboard and the teachers can actually write or, you know, for the younger years when you're using um, concrete materials like MAB blocks or whatever, they can actually physically show. But then we also can, um, you know, we use a lot of teachers teach with PowerPoint slides and we've got the facility on our um, 
React software, video conferencing software, to give the students the control to write on the slide or, you know, we'll say, okay, can you circle this or write write something here mm -hmm. so the students can interact that way. And then, of course, we can share a screen so, um, you know, we can get any website up and the teachers can share the screen so the students can see um, what the teacher wants to show them, you know, show videos, um, images, obviously, um, you know, music, dance, we do a lot of that. Uh, yeah, so that's sort of the explicit construction instruction can uh, involve a lot of different modes, as many as we can think of that can work. Yeah. Do you record those lessons at all? Yes, we do. Okay. And, and that's, uh, are those recordings accessed much by students or or usually just if they can't make the, the actual lesson or they have a connectivity issue? Yeah, they're mainly in middle years that they're accessed. Um, we Our students don't access them a lot. If they want them, then absolutely we let them do that. Yeah. But as you know, with learning, lear it's not, you know, particularly in schools, not tertiary level, it is interactive. So it is It is great if they really miss the lesson and need that explicit teaching, they can get that on um, uh, the recorded lesson. But, of course, we much prefer it is live. So they're there and actually interacting as opposed to watching it like it's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a show. Um, so, yeah, they are recorded and we can, um, you know, send it to, to the students. We don't do that as a matter of course, mm -hmm. but we can, yeah. Okay. So how do you how do you kind of mark student work? Because so yeah. students students attend the, the the lecture, the explicit instruction, then they go away and they do some independent work that's been sent through prior. How are they? How do they then receive feedback on, on that work? Right, um, we do a lot of um, feedback. So I'm assuming I can name specific software products. Yeah, please. Yeah, so we um, use Google Classroom. So students complete whatever work they've been asked to complete by the teacher mm -hmm. um, and depend. And for primary, some of the work, it'll be very clear on the instructions that the home tutor needs to mark. So they're not assessing, but marking because students need, you know, that sort of immediate feedback. And so home tutors will mark some of it, but, and, um, but it'll also then be um, uploaded into Google Classroom for the teacher to see. Okay. Uh, and some of it the home tutor doesn't mark, like if it's an assessment piece, that's just uploaded. So yeah, the teachers get to see all the work that they have asked the students to submit. The students, you know, submit it or the home tutor. Mm -hmm actually physically does it through Google Classroom and the teachers provide feedback that way. So that can um, be, you know, recorded, um, oral recording of feedback or written instruction. You know, they can use their, we use a tablet and can actually circle on the student work and then make a comment on that or just write a general comment. So, yeah, we, um, there is a lot of feedback that is provided um, when it's for the early years, you know, the feedback's sort of more directed to the home tutor to read to the student mm. as they get older, it's directed directly to the student. The other way is apart from those um, class lessons that I talked about, we also have, it only happens every two weeks for each student, but something we call PLT, private lesson time. And that's just a short one-on-one -on -one session, mm. teacher, student, and we do that via the video conferencing software as well. So that way... Um, if there's some specific assessment piece or some specific thing that the teacher needs to work with um, on with the student, 
that time set aside. Mm. But absolutely, they don't need to wait for that. If they know there's an issue, like the home tutor is calling and the student can't get something, the teacher will just, you know, hop on the phone or if there's a spare studio time, do a separate lesson with mm. them. Um, so, yeah, but feedback can be provided that way. And then, of course, during the class, our, our online lessons are pretty short, but you can, as you know, you know, during teaching, you know, the feedback is, that feedback loop's happening constantly as well. Fantastic. So with Google Classroom, so I imagine that the students like scan their work or take a photo and upload that. Can the teacher then immediately kind of write on what's there or does the teacher have to download it, put it in some software they can annotate and then upload again? Um, They can essentially do it directly on there. I have to say not teaching, being the principal, I'm not actually using that myself every day. I should be able to um, confidently answer that question uh, but I'm pretty sure we gave everyone an iPad earlier this year because it was easier for them with some form of the marking they wanted to do it was easier to, I think that was when actually using a pen directly mm. circling um, but yeah no you don't need to download it you do it directly yep. okay and that's really good have you always used Google Classroom or have you used Microsoft Teams recently or are there other softwares you tried and is there a reason why you settled on Google Classroom We've used Google for a long time. We've only used Google Classroom app since last year, but we were using Google Drive. So before I came um, came as the principal, that's been going, I don't know for how many years, but for quite a while. Um, and, yeah, that's just what we've done. So we haven't investigated, you know, into other um, different platforms recently, except we made the switch to Google Classroom. It was definitely way more user-friendly for our teachers and our students and home tutors than the um, what we were using previously. No but, worries. Um, it's a worldwide um, surge in the use of Google Classroom at the moment, we're thinking, and it's, it's definitely slowing down a bit. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. That's interesting. Um, do you get the students to collaborate in any way? And if so, how do you do that? Yeah, that's definitely one of the hardest things to do <laughs> in distance learning, particularly for the primary years. Yeah. In the high school years, once they're, you know, confident and writing well, then they can use Google Docs to do that. Mm-hmm. They also, the um, middle year students use Google Hangouts. In our primary, it uh, really has to be quite structured and set up by the teacher uh, and there it's there's not as much of that as we would like simply because of um you know the the infrastructure that we've got not every child has one computer each if you've got it we just don't you know have the budget to provide one for everyone if you've got a few people in the home classroom the the computers often um in hot demand someone's got a you know, a studio lesson, then they've got to hop off and their sibling needs the computer for the next lesson. Uh, So I mean, some ways teachers have done it where they have done group projects is that everyone has quite a specific job, then they really just need to email, you know, their class, what what they've worked on. Um, Yeah, so it's definitely something that we would um would be something we would like to do more of but as i said because our students connect via satellite there we are limited in some of the software we can do we're interested in moving more into virtual classrooms but again that is a limitation because of the satellite connection so that's something we're going to trial later on this year Mm -hmm. anyway just to see how it would go uh but it's that is um i'd love to do more Mm. Do you have any particular processes for skilling up teachers and training teachers to, to do a good job of online instruction? 
Well, we when they start with us, because for the vast majority of them, um, they've not ever used a studio to broadcast lessons. Definitely, we have to teach them just how to how to use the technology, um, and. We assign a mentor for our new teachers. So, you know, once they've sort of had the basic training and how to use our studio, how to use the software and the equipment in the studio, which is not that complex. It just sounds very scary at the beginning, but you get your head around it pretty quickly. But then they have a mentor. So as they sort of become more confident, um, they can go and observe other people and go, oh, what's that function that you're using? And um, we're a small, close staff. So it's sort of really easy to get help. But we also um, run on Friday afternoons uh, voluntary professional learning sessions. So sometimes um, our IT leader, our middle years team leader, he's also an IT specialist, he'll run a session on, you know, something else you might not have yet tried in um, our software. So we've got a range of ways of um, building people's capacity. But we start off obviously training them just in the basics so they can run a basic lesson using PowerPoint and the cameras and um we do have a guide as well in our teaching and learning handbook as to some of the things to keep in mind when you're, um, you know, doing an online lesson. Mm. So obviously School of the Air are absolute experts in online learning, but just just to kind of help us empathise with um, with you and for, for School of the Air to empathise with new teachers who are taking on this challenge, is there anything that you guys are still uh, struggling with that you haven't quite worked out with and, 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 and that even with all your expertise and experience and things like that, um, still poses a challenge. Yeah, I already sort of mentioned it, I guess, when I talked about collaboration. That mm. is the thing I would like us to um, be able to more rigorously do that. And the technology, like I said, is definitely the limitation for us. But it is something that we are going to uh, investigate more as more of our families connect via NBN as opposed to um, it's been a um, department-provided satellite dish that we go out and install to people, install in people's houses who don't have the internet. And it, it would appear, it's very new, but it would appear they've probably got more bandwidth with NBN. So we are going to be trialling some more um, technology later on in the year um, to see if we can... Uh, expand how our students collaborate using mm. technology. And the, the other thing for us is um, it's differentiation. So uh, people often get surprised when they find out that we still send out hard copy materials to our students. But the reason we do is a couple of things. We don't want the students on a computer all the time. And mm. secondly, our families who live a very long way from town, they don't want to have to print everything off. They want you know, we want our students working on paper, not just um, screen. And they don't want to have to print everything off because if they run out of toner or the printer breaks, they just can't easily get to a shop. Mm. So we do send materials out, hard copy, and hence you've got to be really organised with that because the mail plan might only go every fortnight and you've got to get it printed and distributed to everyone. <laughs> so we work a long way in advance. So that actually... Um, limits the differentiation so what you've sent to students is what they've got i mean mm. teachers do differentiate in a number of ways if there's a student struggling they'll say you don't need to do this or they'll modify an activity for them they'll just send the modified instructions you know via an e email mm -hmm. but that is hard because um 
you can't the online lessons that teachers can do they can change from day to day depending on how their class went the day before but the materials we've sent out which does form quite a large chunk of their daily learning they have to be sent out quite a long time in advance just because of the remoteness of where our students mm. are so that's something um that we always sort of um are seeking to improve in yeah right are there any particular you mentioned some softwares you're keen to explore for collaboration are there any ones you have in mind that you want to do and, and any kind of ideas of broad brushstrokes of the kind of projects that you want to want to do with the students yeah not so much um a software but what we're keen to explore is the idea of is using um you know, VR goggles and having a virtual classroom mm. so that when, so I'm not a gamer or someone into virtual reality, but have had a go and it really is amazing. You feel like when you're in one of those spaces, when someone else, some other avatar comes up to you, you actually feel like someone's next to you. And our students don't have that feeling, even though they are closely connected with their classmates and teachers, it's, you know, the 2D you know, feel the screen, you still know you're sitting at your desk in your home classroom in the same classroom you might have been in for years if you've grown up, (laughs) you know, that place, you haven't changed physical classrooms at all. Um, So I'm keen for us to experiment with um, using um, VR technology so that you certainly wouldn't be in the virtual classroom all day, but so you might be able to be in a virtual space feeling like you're there with your classmates and teacher and working on some project together. So the limiting factor, like you know I'm going to say, it's the satellite connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that that's the thing for us that many people who are moving to online learning now probably don't have that limitation because their connections, most people, you know, in town. So, but that's something we will with changes, slight changes to how students connect or how the internet's being rolled out. Um, we might have some wriggle room there to do mm. a bit more, but that's what I would like to do. Okay, that's great. Uh, I would imagine there are probably some teachers listening whose students maybe don't have the most secure internet connections at home as well. Oh, and yeah. I, can, I can also say <laughs> our school, I think, definitely doesn't have the most robust connections. So um, yeah. it's probably, probably a challenge for many people, but definitely makes a lot of sense in terms of the remoteness. Um, so you've mentioned some tools like React and Google Classroom. Are there any other specific tools that your teachers find really helpful? I'm talking about kind of what they software they use to record their screens, um, software like the types of the um, webcams that they use things like that we have studios so most of our lessons are broadcast from studios so um, that's all set up by our IT person and it's not actually a webcam they are like an overhead camera like from the ceiling yeah however I must say we're all you know we're um, looking at working from home like most of the world is at the moment so we are um, are going to be probably using webcams. Teachers will be teaching from home without a studio and we're just coming up with how we can get an overhead camera set up as well as the face-to-face camera. So generally we have a setup in a studio. That's just how, you know, we have worked because because of bandwidth again, we can't all be teaching. We have to have a timetable. We can't have all classes being taught at the same time. We just can't do it. We can only have four classes being taught at one time. So, um 
yeah, so we go into the studio and broadcast from there. So in terms of other software, um, it is mainly the platform for, um, you know, students submitting their work. Like I said, Google Classroom is the main one. Different teachers might experiment with different tools, um, different apps, you know, like all teachers do. But in terms of our main connections to our students, it is broadcasting of the lessons. Um through our software and then how they submit. And just for teachers who are listening, because I'm actually getting inquiries from teachers all over the world and Australia at the moment, um, how they do online learning. And sometimes I'm hearing from some schools and they are, it appears what they're doing is they're giving teachers free range to choose how they're connecting with their students. And I mean, some students, of course, particularly in high school, but even in primary might have teachers might have more than one teacher, even in primary you have one class teacher, but you might have a couple of other, you know, release teachers. And teachers are using different um, platforms. Like schools really need to choose one main platform, particularly for fr- primary, mm. and stick to that. I think it would be way too confusing. And particularly in the home classroom where you've got, if you have three students and some mom or dad or someone's trying to help their kids and one student has to use this platform and one use this, yeah. It's really confusing. It's best to have a whole school approach, I yes. think, I mean, experiment and come up with different things. But you've got to think about from the home classroom perspective, it's probably not just one child. It's going to be siblings, range of ages all together with someone trying to help them out. So, um, mm. that's, yeah. That's fantastic advice. Do you have any other advice to some school leaders at the moment who are trying to help their schools quickly and nimbly shift to online? Look, it is such a divide as to whether if if your students have an internet connection and access to a device, it's still going to be tricky to make that sudden change like so many schools are. But if you're going down that pathway, you can, if you want, if every student has a device and they've got good internet, then you can set up your class as you would normally in terms of 8.30 to 3 or whatever the time is. You would do some explicit teaching. Let's say every, you know, you're a year three teacher and you do maths in the morning. Stick to that. You do your explicit teaching. Then you say to your kids, okay, after you've only had them on for like 15 minutes or something, now this is the activity you need to do. Um, you go do it and you must be back on in 15 minutes, but I'm going to keep some of you who might need extra support. They're going to stay on or something like that. You know, you do your group work that way, um, and try to run it that way. But of course that is assuming everyone has a device and there's, uh, everyone has internet. So that is definitely the case for some schools in Australia and across the world we know, but obviously not a lot for those where students don't have Um, access to you know being able to video conference with the teachers it is really tricky we have materials distance ed materials but it takes a long time to write and when we send them out to our students they actually um, go out with it's not just worksheets there's lots of extra things we send out like um, a book that it might be based around or some other resources so it's harder, um, we're, you know, happy to share our stuff, but it's actually quite tricky because there's a lot of stuff. It's not just sending out, you know, a document with 40 pages and that they print out and work mm-hmm. through. There's other things that go with it. So in terms of it, it, it is really <laughs> tricky if you're trying to suddenly come up with packages for students who don't have an internet connection. Um, 
it, it's hard and it's absolutely exposing within Australia as well as across the world uh, that, um, you know, there is an equity and this distance learning shows it. So, yeah, my advice is if you've got the internet and the students have a device, you know, as much as possible, you can still do explicit teaching. Then they go, we know how learning works and they go and have a chance to practice and they come back, you give them feedback. And also it's really important to keep the positive connections going. So every morning our students for 15 minutes log on with their teacher. It's not an academic learning session. It is just a check-in. Good morning for the little ones, you know, they share their news for the others. It's just how you're going and just keep the positive relationships going whatever way you can. Um, and then you work around as best as you can at those subjects. But yeah, this is, it's unprecedented. And I do feel um, for, for schools having to make the sudden change because hmm. it's tricky. <laughs> now, in terms of uh, like daily structure, you said students have a timetable in the same way as they would often have a timetable at home. Um, but I mean, a lot of schools might work off, you know, 70, 50, even 45 minute periods. Um, would you suggest that schools change that structure? I can imagine, you know, trying to log into one class for 45 minutes and then change would be a lot lot to ask of students. And you said generally students only have, if I recall correctly, two lessons per week for a given subject. So is, are there any, any kind of key things for teachers or school leaders to keep in mind when they're thinking about trying to structure an online learning week that might be a bit different to in classes? Yeah, well, you, you, you're right. The kids cannot be staring at a screen all day. So even if they've got like a 45-minute period for English and they log in, I think they can still have a 45-minute English lesson, but that's not them on the computer the whole time. That is the teacher would give some explicit teaching as they normally would. You know, this is this is what we're learning about. This is, you know, whatever it is, give you explicit teaching. Then the students um, hop off their video conferencing thing and work on whatever, and it might actually be on the computer. Obviously, the older ones probably are typing um, or, you know, in their English book that they've taken home with them and do whatever they've been asked to do, then get back on during that 45 minute, you know, lesson back on with all the class together, the teachers called them together again, and, um, you know, wrap up the lesson or, or whatever. And you could do that a couple of times throughout the lesson, obviously, depending on the age of the students. But, um, you know, we know that in order to learn, you have to move. In order for your brain to work properly, you have to move. You can't be sitting down all day. You have to get up and move. So there has to be times um, during changeover between lessons or during a lesson, depending how long it is, where you're making sure your students are not just sitting at their desk. And certainly we don't want kids looking at a screen all day. Mm. Um so, yeah, I mean, my yeah, my advice is if it's possible, you know, you try to keep the timetable the same, but it's not like the teacher's there talking to them for 45 minutes. You do your teaching, now you go and do your practice activity or whatever it is, then you come back. Um, yeah, but we don't do that because just because we, we don't have the bandwidth available um, and because we've got the luxury of we know we're a distance ed school, so we've had the time to prepare the materials that they mm. work when they're not with their teacher and that comes with more instructions um, and it's, you know, schools are not going to be able to do that 
having to you know have a couple of weeks mm-hmm. to switch to distance learning so if possible i would i would keep the same timetable but acknowledging you know students need to get up and move as do teachers yeah <laughs> um, yeah so it's there's no easy answers like um yeah. Good advice. Um, so you've taught at a few different schools now. And I mean, I saw someone tweet yesterday, um, you know, as a school, we've realized that we need to significantly change our expectations about the amount of work that students are going to be able to do in this online setting. Has it been your experience um, that, you know, the constraints um, provided by the online kind of approach does mean that a different amount of content generally gets covered and a different amount of learning generally gets covered? Uh, Not really, but I can understand with what you're saying that teacher or or those teachers said because they haven't had the time to um, prepare and because the students are at home and you know, there could be mum and dad who are also meant to be working from home or maybe a little toddler who's not at childcare anymore. Yeah. Like it's not set up yeah. for that. They are not set up for that. Whereas in our um, situation, in order to enrol with us, you have to meet eligibility requirements, i.e. mainly geographically isolated. And in primary, you have to have a home tutor who is there with you from 8.30 to 3 every day and you need to have a space. So... It is a bit different. So, no, our students do get, you know, in fact, sometimes they can get through a bit more because there's less distractions around. There's there's just a couple of them that might not have a kid who's, you know, having a meltdown in the corner. Um, and, you know, there's just a few of them in the classroom. So in the, there's we certainly don't um, expect less of the students in our context, but we're set up for it, whereas families and schools moving overnight to this uh, and no one used to it it, it is yeah it, it is hard but teachers can definitely if students can upload their work even if it's just via email whatever it is or a platform like google classroom teachers can be providing feedback um, and then it really is just a matter of how the explicit instruction is is delivered hmm. and you know we deliver it we say that we deliver explicit instruction through our online lessons but we also deliver it through the materials that we have sent out there's information in there um either targeted to the home tutor or the students depending on the age and explicit instruction happens that way as well hmm. but for people moving quickly to this they don't have time to prepare that so yeah i I am very empathetic with them. Yeah, that's that's good of you. Any any reflections? What's it been like for you, Kerry, working at School of the Year and, and making the shift to the online learning? Uh, well, it was interesting because uh, my our children, when we lived out bush, we they did School of the Year. My husband is a nurse, so we lived in a couple of ab- Aboriginal communities. And so for three years, um, I was the home tutor. So I was at home with our children and actually that is that was we had radio in that first year before we moved to satellite technology so wow. i saw the change yeah so i was i had sort of had this gradual introduction so it wasn't too dramatic for me because you know i saw it from the students and parents perspective then when we moved into town i started working at school of the hours for four years as a teacher um and it's sort of yeah and then i came back as a principal almost three years ago so but certainly for teachers i know who go from mainstream with kids in front of them all the time overnight to this it is like 
I think some of them are like, yay, that's great. I don't have the kids' <laughs> behavior problems. Uh, and that's nice. But it is, oh, how do I know what they're doing? How do I know if they've done this independently? Or did the person adult with them help them? Mm. How do I connect like it is a dramatic change. I mean, it's great. We love it. And we, like I said before, feel like we have really strong, positive relationships with our families and students. Uh, and the teachers who are changing right now to online learning, they've got that to build on. You know, they mm. know their students. I mean, it's early in the year, but, you know, they've had several weeks with them. They know them. They've started to build those relationships. So as we know, positive relationships, the most important thing for learning. So they've got that. They can build on that. And, um, do their best it's in the uh, you know crazy times that we're in and my main thing is maintain um the positive relationships check on the students well-being that's the basis and then if you get some academic learning done that's great too that's great where can people go to find out find out more or connect with school of the air um, I do have, well, we've got a website and um, people can uh, connect through to with me uh, via our Alice Springs School of the Air website. And I certainly am receiving a lot of emails from people all over the world. And I put together a bit of a fact sheet that I um, am sending to people. And I'm also, hopefully this weekend, if I get time, get a chance to turn into a bit of a flyer and put that on the website so people can um, get that directly. And that's just some general tips for online teaching. Not going to solve all your problems, but does give some information about you know where if you are video conferencing just some basic things thinking about the camera where you're situated making it interesting for your students as well as you know setting up a school day learning sequence things like that so Alice Springs School of the Air website that's wonderful and we'll if it's okay we'd love to link to those those links and those fact sheets when you when you put them together sure um Kerry Russell thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to speak with someone with so much, um, so many years uh, and so much of a depth of online teaching experience. I guess a few things came out to me, the, the importance of the, those relationships. And I was really amazed and impressed by how far you go, um, you know, in ge geographical terms to actually yeah. build those relationships. Um, that was really amazing. And that was just a really strong thread that went throughout um, the interview. I guess I was also a little bit worried because I imagine all these particularly primary school teachers at home who don't have that um, that additional support or those parents who are allocated to supporting their students. So that's definitely a challenge. And it's good, it's good I guess, and it's realistic um, to know the role that those people play in terms of school of the year. Uh, but thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for putting together these fact sheets, and I'm sure people will find that very beneficial. And um, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Oliver. A pleasure. If you enjoyed this chapter of the ERRR podcast online education special, please share it with friends and colleagues. And please consider supporting the ongoing production of the ERRR podcast at patreon.com forward slash ERRR. Signing up as a patron helps to communicate to me the value that listeners are receiving from the podcast and helps to keep the production of the podcast financially sustainable into the future. That's patreon.com forward slash ERRR. I hope that you enjoy the rest of this education special.